With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Exciting football action continues at Yahoo Daily Fantasy, and it's better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a new $500,000 contest called the $500,000 Baller. Yep, you like that. That is a first place prize of $50,000. You got to check it out right now. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. It's very simple. Yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. It's spelled as exactly as you think it is. When you make the first deposit, use promo code POD25. You get 25 free dollars. It's free. POD25. P-O-D-2-5. Promo code. Use it. $25 in free play. Get in. Get excited. Yahoo Daily Fantasy. October 10th edition of the PFF Forecast. We're coming to you live at the moment. You can watch and make fun of us in real time if you'd like to. We're going to talk basically just about the games. Uh, The NFL games and there are like a couple other sports that apparently have games that are of interest. One of which is the WNBA. Yeah. Is it game five? It is. It's the deciding game five. WNBA Mystics, I believe, are six and a half point favorites. Total one seventy four and a half. Not that I would know or anything, but yeah. Well, here's the problem. Fun, it's been a fun season, and it'll be a fun end tonight. Here's the thing: baseball is terrible. I was trying to watch baseball last night. I don't understand how people watch baseball. I can't figure it out. How could you actually sit down and be like, you know what? I'm gonna watch this whole game for the next eight hours. Baseball is literally the only game where it's actually more fun to be at the ballpark because, unlike the NFL, if I'm watching one baseball game. I, my immediate urge is not to watch 15 others at the same time. That's so, a, so that's if I'm an interesting take. So though. if I'm at the baseball game, you're I also just, pigeonholed to being in that stadium. You aren't though. Remember the time we went to the Reds game? Literally, all we did was just like 
go to that like that booth place and eat food and drink right we got lucky we had all you can drink and eat tickets yeah. that's not most people's experience at yeah. a baseball game baseball is terrible so you could watch the wnba you could watch the patriots play at home against the half of the giants team but that could be over pretty quickly yep. too so just giving you all of the options that are out there um wnba is a decent product it is and you also have uh, ncaa you have the obviously the ulm warhawks tonight versus the texas state bobcats that's sure. the late game the early game actually is between two teams that are relatively have relative pedigree in the syracuse orange versus the nc state wolfpack uh, and if you want to know anything more about those games, get a PFF Elite subscription and get your hands on Greenline. So let's talk you, about the NFL, though. Well, what do you think about China, though? I don't care. <laughs> well, I do care, but I but I don't care to uh, tell you guys what I think. Yeah, it's not going to be here. All right, let's start with the Thursday nighter. The Patriots are seventeen point favorites at home against Daniel Jones and a bunch of random people from the uh, New York Sports Club. The, the I think. The, 17 is a lot. You're probably not betting the Giants. Are you at all intrigued about the Patriots as a 17-point favorite at home? Uh, well, I would say, again, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later. If you listen to our Monday podcast, it was 16 and a half. I would have been interested in that number. And in fact, I think I've even put a little bit on that. But at 17, it's tough, right? Because at 17... That's your. That's a key number. Yep. Um, there's always the chance that the Giants come through and backdoor that. Um, whereas 17, I mean, there are a decent percentage of games land on 17 that are lined 17. There's actually not that many in history, but um, so I don't know. I, I would lay off the spread for this game. The total being 41. One thing that's that's fun, you know, when you do math, right? When you 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 model these things out. The weather reports for tonight's game were far more dire yesterday than they are today, where we're seeing, like, you know, obviously precipitation, but wind being more on the order of 10 to 15 miles per hour than 20. the 20 to 30 miles per hour people were saying. So 41 is a pretty low total. We've, we've, we haven't seen many New England games go over this number so far this year, but rookie quarterback turnovers and then also the fact that the Patriots simply haven't been sharp offensively in the first bunch of weeks maybe they just get to this number by themselves well the Patriots hate the Giants that is a factor that also needs to be weighed in here and I don't think they'll stop at anything to lay the smack down you know Brady is motivated by the fact that there's a guy you know not too far away from him who's young who's getting a lot of publicity and I'm sure he is going to have a little bit of extra juice here for this game um, as well. So I actually really like the over, especially because anytime that you can root for points, you want to do that. So I think the better way to bet the Patriots is to bet the over, right? Mm-hmm. That way you don't get screwed by some weird Daniel Jones play that, you know, cuts it to 17 or whatever as time expires. This, this, that uh, actually would help you hit the over. This series between these two teams has been absolutely amazing in that obviously in 2007, you had that game on the Saturday night of the last game of the season where Moss caught the 23rd touchdown of the mm-hmm. season to win the game and to get the Patriots to 17 and 0. The Giants were sort of an afterthought, had clinched a playoff spot but played all their guys uh so that that game was compelling. Um and uh so but the the interesting thing was is that you know in 2011 the Giants beat the Patriots in the regular season in Foxborough and then go ahead and beat them in the Super Bowl as well. And then 2015, when the Giants were bad, 
they still only lost to the Patriots by a point, 27-26, which would easily go over this total. So I do agree that like this, you know, those two teams. I'm sorry. Did you just cite a 2015 game? No, what I'm saying is is these two these two teams do play compelling games. And and so and New England might just you know, for the sake of what you just said, which is that they don't like them based upon the, you know, uh, based upon like their history, you know, Belichick being the DC of the Giants, not getting a chance to head coach that team after Parcells retired uh, all the way to the two Super Bowl losses. Uh, I do think that the I do think that the Patriots don't like lay off the gas pedal as they did a few times earlier this season. PFF history. That should be that should be yeah, a second I mean, look where you just you walk around Cincy with a coffee and, and talk about historical games. Right, right. Uh, here's something that has happened in the actual now that is, I think, useful. Daniel Jones is six uh, percent of his passing plays. Wow, I can't speak. Six percent of his passing plays have been deemed turnover worthy. So those are throws or fumbles that end up in a turnover over 50 percent of the time on average. And. He's a rookie quarterback facing Bill Belichick. I don't need to tell you how much of an advantage that is. Also, how good the Patriots have been at taking advantage of those situations. So in the in a little bit of wind, without a whole lot of playmakers, a lot of guys that are new, I would expect some miscommunication, some not being on the same page or even the same book for the Giants team. The, the Patriots are a team that would take advantage of that. And that, of course, gets them sh- some short fields, maybe a defensive score over 41. I expect this game to be over fairly quickly. I'm trying to get to bed early, <laughs> which won't happen. Okay, let's move on to 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, London. You really like this, huh? Tampa Bay getting two and a half points against Carolina. Carolina on a three-game winning streak. Total on this game, 47 and a half. What say you? Well, aside from hating the fact that there's a game this early – on a Sunday, uh, I just I just think it's so dumb. Um, I was very surprised by this line, and I'm still very surprised by this line because the game is in London, and the J- Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers' offense is just better than the Panthers' offense, despite all the MVP hype that McCaffrey is getting. So my question is this: Is the reason the Panthers are favored by two and a half, Christian McCaffrey? Gosh, I hope not. I mean, because I am I am shocked that this is not either the Bucks favored by one or two, or basically a, or just a pickup. Well, and it was if you look at the spread prior to the week last week, it was Tampa being favored. Tampa, and I think most people, as we did to a, to a certain degree, expected Tampa to put up a better effort against Teddy sure. Bridgewater and the Saints and Carolina. Like, if you would have told us last week that Jacksonville was going to put up, like, 27 points against against Carolina, we would have said they would have, you know, mm-hmm. Carolina would have lost, right? Because mm-hmm. Jacksonville is good defense, so on and so forth. The Panthers did, like, whether it was defensive touchdowns or, you know, long big plays by McCaffrey, they did exceed expectations the other day in terms of offensive output. I think this is an overreaction, though. I think our number, our number is more like two and, 2.1 for Tampa Bay. Um, that being said, it's tough to, it's tough to, if you, if you want to bet Tampa Bay, you're more likely to get a better opportunity on the money line because two and a half, not that many games land one or two, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's really hard to assume some sort of consistency out of Jameis Winston, but I, you're assuming consistency out of Kyle Allen. Well, I think Kyle Allen's been consistently who he's been. 
bad. Yeah. Like, like you know exactly what to expect out of Kyle Allen. So why are they favored? Well, I think people – so, and again, I don't agree with this, but I think people are saying, okay, Kyle Allen's playing well enough. He's accurate enough. Those receivers for Carolina are doing good things, right? DJ Moore, Greg Olson, Curtis Samuel, and then the running game with McCaffrey is just control, controlling the game. Mm-hmm. And then the defense, Brian Burns, uh, Gerald McCoy – uh, you know they they're they're playing well up front. Their linebackers are pretty good. Gerald McCoy revenge game, and and then yeah, and then the secondary is playing better than we all had envisioned. Now I want to fade all of those things, but that that's really why the line is where it is right now. Yep. So I think uh, I think well, it's not it's probably not our lock of the week. No. Um, which by the way I forgot to mention that's our goal is we're going to narrow it down to one pick as we do every single week. We're going to bet on that pick and all the winnings that uh, we That's end right, up getting it. are going to go to uh, a couple of different charities. Um, you can go check them out. It's uh, I pinned it to my, um, my Twitter profile so you can go see where we're donating. The Broncos sailed through yeah, uh, covering a six and chair. a half. In fact, they even hit the, the money line. So hopefully you were with us there and you made some good come out of it. Because that's the goal. Um, and uh, I'm going to stop saying I'm and we're going to move on to the next game, which is our Cincinnati Bengals. Probably one of the worst teams that uh, I've unfortunately unironically watched a couple of plays of this this season face the Baltimore Ravens. So the Bengals couldn't even beat the Cardinals at home. They have been really, really bad. And now they go into Baltimore, who is a very interesting team because they trounce the Dolphins. Everyone jumps all over the Ravens. They've had a more analytically sound approach, mathematically sound approach to the game of football. That has gotten a lot of buzz, rightfully so. But the Ravens have always been a very good defensive team. That has not been the case. They have been one of the worst defensive teams in the NFL this season. And so as an 11.5 point favorite, my question is this. Andy Dalton's not that bad of an NFL quarterback. Does he put up a fight against the Ravens and their sort of toothless defense? Or is this the, the opportunity for Earl Thomas to, to lead that defense back into the place that we expect it to be? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, even the, even the Ravens' two wins after the Dolphins have not been impressive. No. They didn't cover either game. I guess if you, if you look at the last game, close three, so they basically pushed. Um, but they were on the ropes against... Devlin Hodge. Yep. And, and and also Kyler Murray. I mean, if Cliff Cliff Kingsbury does anything sort of analytically sound in that game, it's more of a, it's a very close game, right? A, yeah. He we wrote about it this week, but basically he had three opportunities yeah. to go for fourth and shorts in uh, you know, it wasn't I think it was all all of them were in the red zone. Some were low red zone. Yeah. It doesn't do it. Yeah. And and so and then they lose a couple games in a row. Cleveland, they lost by multiple scores to a Cleveland team who has otherwise looked horrible this year. Uh, and then they lost to Kansas City who, again, injuries caught up to Kansas City this week. Maybe less of an impressive loss there than, than we had originally had envisioned. Um, that being said, like if I'm looking at a place to, to bet this game, I'm probably looking more, and, and this goes against what you just said about the Ravens defense, but I'm looking more towards the under. If, I, if I'm... If I'm uh, Cincinnati, all they do, I mean, if you look at their splits, right, they run the football 
I guess they, I mean, they haven't been running it, but they've been behind so much. But they, they like to give the ball to Joe Mixon, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's in the passing game or the running game. And they're simply not efficient at it. They're averaging almost negative a quarter of a point every time they run the football. Uh, and they're, is, that, is that good? No, that's not oh, good at all. Good. And then when they throw the football, they're averaging negative EPA as well. Andy Dalton, just an 87 passer rating when clean, which is about the same. Both these quarterbacks have about the same passer rating when pressured and when clean. Ugh. These two offenses, like, gross. And, and again, like, we keep citing our, our buddy Josh. You know, he wrote that article on 538. Frisco Josh from the Bay. Defense, defense is a linear combination of the offenses you face, right? So while I think both of these defenses are horrible, I think at least one offense is bad enough to make the yeah. Ravens sort of remind us of their 2000 version, right? And, and the Ravens can win this game without. So. They can win this game 41-3. Well, sure, but they can also win this game basically by running the ball because yes. the Bengals are so bad. So and, and if those and if those drives, like let's say if you're looking at the if you're looking at backing the under here, the Ravens can take 8 minutes off the clock. Mm-hmm. And stall out in the red zone cuz their quarterback's not accurate sometimes. Kick field goals. And that's a perfect recipe for under something near 50, which is where we're at right now with 48. So if I'm looking, I, I just don't have the confidence that the Bengals can keep this game. Like, 11 and a half is a lot, but the th- like the Bengals... Bengals are trash. The yeah. Ravens are averaging a higher expected points added per run than the Bengals are per, per pass, pass. And it's not, even, a mile. Close. It's not yeah. even close, right? So I, I'm with you there. It scares me to take a team as bad as the Bengals, although if you're in a pick em league or something, I think, I think yeah, it, you're if taking you're, the if Bengals. If you're forced here. to take them, you take the Bengals here. Uh, do we want to consider the under for the lock of the week? I hate, Actually, no. We're not because okay. that's not The only out. one that's, that's a candidate right now for us is Giants New England over. Uh, and I think I'm a little weaker on that, you know, frankly, just because of the weather and, and the fact that one of the teams might not show up. And that if we lose on a Thursday night, how that <laughs> what am I going to do yeah, for yeah, the rest right, of the weekend? Right. Cry? We've, yeah, we've never actually done that. So, OK. Cry? You've never cried? No, we've never taken the lock. When's week the as last Thursday. time you cried? Oh, I was at a funeral like a while back. Oh, interesting. Yeah. OK. I always do that. I always tell myself I won't, but I do. That's I. And I was like, I blubber at those things. Really? Yeah, I'm bad. Well, you're a kind person. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Like, I think it's just like it's you know, some people are more emotional in some places than others. Sympathetic. Yeah. If the if the Vikings won the Super Bowl, I you think would, I I might. What if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Well, just be euphoric. Well, the thing with the Chiefs is like they're like I they came Step into my on. life late. Yeah. So like, okay. I would be very happy. Um, but the Vikings, it would be or sort of like the the. The, the making up for all the sins of the past, which oh, there are many, and I do not think they'll ever win the Super Bowl. So there you go. I haven't been invited to any funerals lately. So, well, you're younger than me. <laughs> all right. All I, all I can think about right now is wedding crashers, <laughs> crashing the funeral and just bawling. He's cleaning up. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sobbing. What's the guy who's being whose funeral? Roger. Is? Damn it, Roger. <laughs> Oh, okay. We so, got Ethan to laugh at that. Speaking okay. of funerals, the Cleveland Browns are playing at home, and they are facing the Seattle Seahawks uh, off of a really crazy game. We ta- we in our picks column wrote about that Seahawks Rams game a couple of times because um, 
those teams are mentioned in, in that column. You should go check it out, by the way, because the writing is bad, but the information is good. And um, the Seahawks played on Thursday night, so they have this long rest. They're traveling to Cleveland. Um, so kind of maybe a wash there in terms of, well, you don't like them traveling west to east and all that stuff. But they have that extra rest. What's interesting to me is, so the Seahawks are a two-point favorite on the road. And how much does that change if that field goal at the last second by the Rams goes in. Do you think this is still minus two? No, because that game is so far in the distant past of people's memories that I think the Browns getting just absolutely just pounded on Monday night is is more the reason why this number is the way it Interesting. is. Interesting. Like, because I, I think most, I think most, fan, well, especially most people whose bets move the line know the difference between the Seahawks truly winning that game on Thursday night and kind of luck boxing their way into it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I would say if you watch that Monday night game, you could make a case that the Browns are fundamentally flawed in a way that will not change in a week. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, whether it's, you know, you look at the Browns, whether it's the fact that their offensive line can't protect and the Seahawks defense is weak, but they they're strong up front. Puna Ford, uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, they're, they're, they actually play three linebackers a lot, but then the Browns literally don't have a third receiver to exploit that. Yet, yet for some reason, are running 11 personnel like 20 like Antonio Ca- more like frequently. The Browns, weirdly, the Browns had a chance to come back and make put that game into a four-point game, and Antonio Callaway clown shows a ball right into the hands of, was it Kawan Williams? still high? Maybe. Um, Greedy Williams... Denzel Ward, two of the more important players on that defense, they're they've been out for a while. They're questionable to return. Yeah. If any if, if the Seahawks have anything they can beat you with, it's the fact that they have receivers. DK Metcalf has has shown himself to be a good down the field threat. Uh obviously Tyler Lockett uh is a is a very good player. Um and then I also think the Browns as like sort of a run defense showed themselves the other day to be a very bad and very leaky group. And the Seahawks are going to try to run. And I think, you know, Chris Carson, we've talked about running backs don't matter that much. But Chris Carson, conditional on them mattering, is pretty good. So uh, I don't know. There's a lot of ways where, you know, you look at these two teams. And, yes, the Seahawks won flukily on Thursday night football. But it was also Thursday night football. So they get 10 days off to face a Browns team with only five days off. Russell Wilson is the uh, best quarterback playing the best quarterback so far through uh, five weeks of the NFL season. I don't think it's particularly close. The problem is, is that the Seahawks are passing 60% of the time. uh, Sorry, running. (laughs) Wait, what? Running more often, yes, than any other team, basically, on early downs. Sorry, uh, I'm dyslexic this morning. But the reason I got flustered there is I have a stat for you. Uh Uh-oh. And this is great. So if you take Baker Mayfield's passer rating when clean and his passer rating under pressure and you add them together... You still do not get a number higher <laughs> than Russell Wilson's passer rating under pressure, which traditionally is far lower, right? So the average in the NFL is like, you know, around 70. Russell Wilson's is 114. His passer rating when clean is 131. But if yeah. you take Baker Mayfield and add them together, you can't even get to what Russell Wilson is producing in a yeah. disadvantageous situation. If you add Baker Mayfield's big time throw rate and turnover worthy play rate, you don't even get to Russell Wilson's big time throw rate. He is so much better than May, than Mayfield. Baker Mayfield more right turnover worthy throw. And granted, like I'll be the first to say, I'm not a huge May. Like we're we're we all you know we liked Mayfield coming out, but at this point in time, like none of us are Mayfield bobos. And I would say he has not played as bad as 
the surrounding circumstances. Absolutely. And at the same time, he still has more turnover-worthy plays than big-time throws. So even if you even if you grant me all of the stuff around that offense, the fact that they're negative expected points, they actually are worse as a passing team than a running team in terms of expected points. Uh, you know, the play calling, all that stuff around Mayfield has not been good. And even then, Mayfield has not been as good nearly nearly as so as he was a season ago. So even if all the stuff around him gets better, the the ceiling for the offense is still pretty low to this point. So I like Seattle minus one and a half, minus two, depending upon where you're at. I would put it in consideration for the lock of the week. If you are a little nervous about laying the points, minus 125 is a solid money line price too. Like, And I know it's a road team, right? And I know it's a West Coast team traveling to East Coast. But the fact of the matter is, is those narratives, because of the way things have happened in the NFL over the last decade, those matter less, right? Because travel is better, uh, nutrition is better, all that kind of stuff. Road teams are doing way better than expectation for the last bunch of years, including this season. They're over 60% against the spread. So like the thing to me, if you're looking at situational spots here, is the fact that the Seahawks have a lot more rest than the Browns and the Browns fundamentally have been bad in all but one game this year well here's here's the kind of sneaky thing so the seahawks are in a division that is going to take a heck of an effort you have to win 13 games to win that division i think and then here's the here's the other thing they're also in a conference where the the dearth of good teams yeah so they they have to like the, the afc has no one out there right there's just the complete lack i used the wrong word a second ago but they have a complete lack of good teams on that side so you can kind of slough off and end up somehow making the playoffs in the nfc you cannot do that because there are so many good teams and i think there's a little bit of a chip on russell wilson's shoulder you can just sort of sense it he's in the mvp conversation i gotta think that he you know wants to perform well so to me this is a spot where the seahawks really can't let down in a way that you might expect them to after that big win against the rams and you hit the nail on the head with the browns i actually if I believed it wasn't a systemic failure. I would be very nervous about this because I Baker Mayfield is better than what he showed better than what the stats have have shown, even though it's still not great, but it just doesn't seem like Freddie kitchens has any idea what he's doing. And that would worry me quite a bit. So I am with you. I think we keep this one in consideration. Here's a question just about the league in general, since we didn't do a ton of news over under number of teams that are 10 and six or better that don't make the playoffs in the NFC one and a half. Well, there's going to be one in the West probably. Um, Yeah. Wow. And, and the only thing that keeps one from the NFC North is, is they just don't Detroit finishing nine, six and one. Yeah, They're just not going to get there. Yeah, I think I, that's tough. I think and that would, the NFC East, I think there's a good chance Dallas and Philly both finish with 10 or more wins. Well, that's the one that I think, right? So I think the South is buried unless South Tampa is Bay is, is or, or Carolina. But I think one of those, te- I mean, one of those teams are going to make it. Yeah, sure. Two of those teams, like at the very least, but one of there's if three teams make the, the playoffs out of the NFC West, the NFC North has been the best division so far, yeah. and they're going to have teams that are missing the playoffs too. Like the NFC, to your point, is stacked. The Seahawks must know this, and and like to me, there's like motivation is not something that we're we're handicapping with, but 
the Browns can make the AFC playoffs at nine and seven because the Bills are going to fall back down to earth, and then there's literally no one else. Yep, that's a great point. So, I, so that that's an interesting one. This is also an interesting one for you, a Teddy Bridgewater supporter, and that is the New Orleans Saints. They are traveling to Jacksonville, Florida, to face Gardner Minshew. The Jags are a one and a half point favorite, and I am. Very confused, Eric. I am very, very confused how the Jaguars are favored over the Saints. Please explain. Well, I think if you just like, and honestly, if you have a green, if you have a PFF Elite subscription, go to Greenline. Just look at the bottom thing where we give you a few little stats that are part of the handicap. Quarterback comparison: Bridgewater when clean, one fourteen passer rating. Minshew and clean, one sixteen passer rating. Passer rating when under pressure doesn't really matter that much, but Minshew is 30 points higher than Bridgewater. He's producing almost twice as many big-time throws, about the same turnover-worthy play rate. You can make an argument, as much as I like Bridgewater, that the mustache is possibly a better quarterback in this spot. I didn't think you were going to go there. And then... I really didn't think and so. And then you look at the team comparisons for in terms of efficiency. Both teams run about the same amount of plays. Jackson was a little bit speedier in terms of their play. Have the exact same run pass splits and are about the same in terms of EPA. They're about as efficient as each other offensively. Mm-hmm. Now, we look at these two teams. We say, oh, Kamara is a far better back than Fat Lenny and... Uh, you know, Bridgewater's probably a better quarterback than Minshew given experience and, you know, draft pedigree and all that kind of stuff. But as far as how these teams have played so far, they're more equal than we give them credit for. And so Jacksonville being at home, they don't have a great home field advantage. But let's assume that these teams are equally yoked. One and a half does seem fair if you if you just look at the history from 28, 2019. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I mean, I made the Minshew is a better quarterback argument. Uh, I think it was on Monday, yeah, uh, early morning, and I, I do agree with that. But I just don't think we know enough about right. Minshew at this point to really make that. I so, make I make the same argument about Bridgewater, though. I think I think we're still. Oh, I agree. I don't think we know much about either either one. quarterback. So yeah. I default to okay. Well, it's Sean Payton versus Doug Marone. Yeah, like this is a joke, and I know that the Saints are you know um, Armstead. Uh, uh, what he, he was banged up a little bit. Yeah. I guess he's not an injury report. Jacksonville has a good defense, although it doesn't look like Ramsey's, Ramsey's ever going to play again for yeah. them. Uh, they were eaten alive by a Carolina team that I think. I think we should look back. I'm looking at the the coaching statistics. Like Norv Turner is like doing some work right now. Um, but I, I think default Jacksonville is a good defense, and so the question is again, like we go back to like okay, let's look at the player level here. Camara, Cook, Ginn, and then I think most importantly Michael Thomas. Like I think that's going to be better than Jacksonville here. Yeah, and you. so can Bridgewater deliver? He had a great game the other day throwing the ball downfield. Other than that, he's been pretty much a dink and dunk guy. I think this will be a fun game to watch nonetheless. I don't think we'll have it as a pick, but I think we lean New Orleans a little bit. But um, but th- you know I, I do want to present like this isn't a lock or anything. If you like New Orleans, there are going to be reasons you could lose this. I'm with you. I'm not too excited about that game, though. Game I am excited about. Texans-Chiefs. The Chiefs coming off of a very, very ugly game. Your Chiefs was not pretty. Pat Mahomes, ankle sprain-ish. He he practiced, I guess, in full, so he's good to go. And not, I don't think there's any ad- ever a doubt that he wasn't going to play. Yeah. The Chiefs are favored by four and a half points at home. Um, I, I, I just think this is this is too low. And I know that the the Chiefs are banged up. 
I understand that it was an ugly game against the uh, the Colts and that the Houston Texans destroyed the Atlanta Falcons, who are very bad. I watched that game again last night, yeah. and it was as bad as it was the first time. But we should not let one game, uh, particularly a game that you know is as kind of weird and fluky as that Chiefs Colts game was, right? With Mahomes actually getting hurt and and yeah. um, Sammy Watkins being hurt and all, and Travis Kelsey having a, not a good game. very bad game. Um, should not let that move us off of what was the narrative for the first four weeks of the season, which is, hey, who's the best team in the NFL, the Chiefs or the Patriots? Yeah, and the only the thing – so I agree with you. This number opened over a touchdown, and we talked about this on our uh, preview podcast on Monday morning. It has since gotten all the way down to 4.5. The total for this game has actually dipped a little bit as well, the 54.5. This is the lowest total for a Chiefs game. I believe since Baltimore, and even that, that was about fifty-three. That has to be the Mahomes thing, right? I think it. Well, and I also think it's. If you look at the Chiefs' offense, we overlooked a lot of things because they didn't end up mattering in the games that you know the Baltimore game and the Detroit game. But Eric Fisher's out; he's been True. out for a while with Mahomes lacking mobility. Cameron Irving stuck out like a sore thumb against his former teammate Justin Houston. Um, Tyree Kill is questionable with the shoulder. When Sammy Watkins only played two snaps the other day, then you're throwing to guys like Byron Pringle and <laughs> and uh, McCole Hardman, and then again, like, good. and I think I think Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the NFL, but he just has games where he can't catch a cold. And the other day was that was similar to that. All those things you 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 correlate all those things together, and you get 13 points, which is less than twice, like it's. Tw- twice fewer than the lowest amount that the Chiefs have ever had with Mahomes starting at quarterback. I agree with you. You fade that. The question becomes, which Texans team are you going to get? Are you going to get the Texans team that absolutely blew away the Falcons? Are you going to get the Texas Texans team who hung with, had an 11-point lead against New Orleans on opening day before you know losing kind of tragically? Or are you going to get the Texans team that loses, it scores 10 points to the Carolina Panthers at home? Are you going to get the Texans team that scored, I believe it was 13 points against Jacksonville at home? If you get the latter, the Chiefs are going to blow this game out. And however, whatever you can name the score here. If you get the Texans team that's game, right? And, and you know, the injuries for the Chiefs defense is piling up. Like Chris Jones is doubtful. He's their best defensive player. Anthony Hitchens is not very good, but they don't have any good linebackers to begin with. So he's questionable as well with a groin. There's a situation, I think at best, if you're betting Houston here, you hope they keep it close because I think when they play their best game, they can keep up with a team like the Chiefs. <laughs> but if they play their worst game, the Chiefs are going to blow their doors off. So that's kind of where I see it. I think this has... So from a league-wide perspective, I think this is a pretty important game because Huge. Watson and Mahomes are... If you look into the dis, you know, in the future five, seven years and both these guys are still healthy and playing you got to be really excited because a they're awesome b they do they play well in a fun way to watch right there are quarterbacks who are good that is just not fun to watch they are as fun to watch as anyone out there and from everything we've heard they're awesome dudes like great people and so you want this game to be fun and exciting because you want this to start a, a generation of exciting awesome quarterback play by good people yeah. to spin the, the league forward now, from a betting perspective, from like a which side do you want to be on perspective, 
it's tough because what you just said is like we really don't know and each of them have such a high ceiling that it's a very hard game to peg down. I will say this with respect to the the total, like if you just can't figure out which way to go because both offenses are so potentially great, like that's where I would well, end up on this game. And if and if you're looking at totals, like they both have top uh, six passing offenses, and they both have bad defenses. The Falcons still scored in the 30s, and the Falcons are bad. So Terrible. if you want to like, and if you're looking away at splicing this game, bet team totals. Right. If you bet both team total overs, you are more likely to win both of them than you are right. to lose both of them, and you're going to split probably in mo- both of those cases. Here's the thing about this game that I think it, it's not about the betting angle or anything like that, but if the Chiefs lose this game, their chance of getting a first-round buy is about 37%. In an AFC that we were previously talking about as, as a conference with two teams and a bunch of crap, if they win, it's 64%. So... Everything we thought about the Chiefs going into last week only remains true if they win this game. Houston, on the other hand, right? If Houston wins this game, they have the same record as Kansas City and has a tiebreaker. They they take their chance of getting a first round buy and multiply it by five, uh, multiply it by four from five percent to twenty one percent. Nuts! When the, if they win this game, because again, you're talking about a road victory in a game you weren't expected to win at the beginning of the season, so. This game has a ton of implications. And so if I'm looking at betting this game, the team total aspect is probably the more important one. But I'm looking at at futures. Like look at futures and say, okay, if I think Houston's going to win this game and I don't like the game price, look at how it impacts the future standing for these teams and possibly make a look at that. That That is a wonderful way to close out that game. And to get through two games very quickly that I think we just need to get through. Actually, let's just get through three. Okay. All right, so I'm going to list these off very quickly. We're going to spend no more than 30 seconds on them. Dolphins, Redskins. Dolphins favored, uh, sorry, Redskins favored by three. Uh, total of 41. Anything that you no. feel strongly about. No. You couldn't pay I'm me. I'm proud of our game. model for having the under on 41. Or, you know, shading, shading the under. the under. This is basically like watching a baseball game. Yep. Falcons, Cardinals. I can't even believe I said the Falcons name. What would have to happen to you for you to bet on the Falcons in this game? Uh, I well, I and then be forced to watch the game. Yeah, I, I if if and we do show a small edge on the Falcons. I would say, don't tell people that. I would say, you. I have I don't to see them the, to hate me more. I I have to see the Falcons do something positive for me to publicly back them again. The the gate the, the the actual play I like in this game is under fifty one. I'll just say that. Yes, I think this is worth talking about. I'm sorry. Um, The Cardinals' offense is not great. They didn't score a whole ton of points against a Bengals' defense, which is garbage. And uh, the Falcons are just bad. They're bad all around. They're bad everywhere. I apologize to anyone who has bet the Falcons because we have told them to. Another terrible, awful, miserable game is Marcus Mariota being involved in anything. And he is involved in the Denver um, Broncos-Tennessee Titans game in Denver. The Broncos are favored by two. The total is at 40. I'm just going to say this. Um, while 40 is a very low number, Marcus Mariota is a very bad quarterback. And Joe Flacco, while he's playing decently, yeah. they're not a team that scores a whole ton of points because yeah. they don't have big plays. They're a, they're a non-explosive offense that actually is still decent. So I, it's hard for me to... I'm obviously not going under. Our model shades the over. But that's the only thing I really have to say about that. I'm disappointed. I thought the the Broncos had a chance to be, you know, 
middling this well, year. We talked about this yesterday in preparation for the podcast. The total was 39. We've seen it already come up to 40. Uh, so, uh, you know, we did have an edge on it yesterday. The edge is less so. Actually, it's it's been all gobbled up by that movement. So, uh, we the reason we didn't write it up in our spread picks column is just this idea of like I said yesterday, if the Titans play their best game, the games go under, right? So they they beat the Falcons 24-10, right? They got out ahead. That game was 24-10 at halftime, and then they just run it inefficiently and play defense. The Broncos, when they play their best game, the game goes under. Last week against the the Chargers, uh, even the, the Bears game, they played probably their best game. And now that Jacksonville game went over, but it was sort of a stretch to get it to the over, you know, something like 40. Um so I think the hard part is, is like, if you're going to bet this over, you're hoping that something goes wrong for one of the two teams. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a hard thing to sort of square because for overs, you need things to go right most of the time. And both of these teams want to play fundamentally under games. So uh, I'm actually glad that the market has moved with us, but I'm also glad that we don't have to take an opinion on that. Um, that was too much time for that. Game. Let's let's move on. This game, uh, I've had some interactions with some some friends Wait, are over. You, are you going to a good game now? Yeah, so let's no, go. F- no, we're getting the crappy ones out okay. of the way. So oh, Jets, Jets, doll. We have two more that are just awful. Okay, Cowboys, Jets, Jets plus seven um, at home. It looks like Donald is playing. This line has come down quite a bit because yeah. of Donald's, uh, uh, presumably because of Donald coming back. So let me ask you this: Does that actually make you feel better about the Jets that much? No. Would you have really moved the line there? Like, oh no, I would have. I I, I think that I think by two didn't it come down to almost two points? Uh, yeah, it was nine and a half. Nine and now, but but Darnold's two and a half points better than Falk by yeah. or more. But sure, if you know, but Darnold's coming off of mono. I have no idea what that does to someone. Yeah, right. Maybe his you know pen pal isn't writing him back anymore. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I I don't think. Obviously, at the beginning of the week, you're probably tempted to take Jets plus nine and a half. At this point, probably not. Um, The Cowboys have to win this game, but it's another one of those games where they'll probably win and they'll probably look good, and people will hop right back on the the Cowboys bandwagon. It's like, well, we still don't know anything about the Cowboys um, because they haven't played or beat a decent team. Uh, We have one more terrible, awful game, and that is on Sunday night, unfortunately, Steelers, Chargers. No one really knows if Mason Rudolph is going to play in this game. The Chargers are favored by six and a half. Um, but I want to talk about the the total real quick. It's forty one. Yeah, and that's and that's one where again, it's just really difficult for an NFL game to go under that amount. Um, so we would shade an over here. <sighs> the thing is, again, is like the Chargers play under football. I know, and. This, but the, the thing so to, do the Steelers. Right, and the Steelers in the game last week, that game was an under game the entire time against Baltimore, but because things happened at the end of the game, it ended up going over the total. So it's just hard. Like I think if either one of these teams dominates the other, this game goes under. If it's close, it goes over. So, um, you know, it, it's a really tough, like, it's a really tough one. I Steven Nelson is questionable. Here's the tough thing. The the Chargers can't block anybody, like anybody. Yeah. And the one thing the Steelers kind of have is a decent pass rush. So if you're going to have a situation where pass rush is going to be able to like get you something, this might be it. Yeah. Um so I don't know, it's tough cuz like you don't know if Mason Rudolph is going to play. Um 
Devlin Hodge, you know nothing about. So if I were going to do anything with this game, I'd probably go um, with the over. If you had to take one side against the spread, who are you going with? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly have no faith in the Chargers. They have more starters out than the Steelers do. Yeah, I know. So I would take Pittsburgh. I, it, I'm with there's you. no home field advantage in L.A. The Chargers, we it's talked about this last week. All Steelers fans. Anytime you want to like make a rational. So last week we said, okay, what's the actually last two weeks, what's the thing that could keep the underdog from covering here? Mm-hmm. It's the fact that the Chargers have lost some games that they sh- that they had leads in, so they're going to like sort of pile it on. That did, like, that did, that just, I just don't work. know if that applies to the, uh, um, if that applies to this week. So the Steelers' defense is better than people think. Like, it, I agree. It, I, I thought, especially, you know, they're obviously Minka well. cost a top five pick, but uh, he, he's been playing well. Play free safety. No, they're, they're you know, a top half of the league um, defense. I, I think that's something that and Rivers and like case. I know I backed Rivers last week. You know, but like he's he just not been he's just not been official. Rivers. All right, on to the good games. Your Minnesota Vikings by the Lake Minnetonka are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings are three point favorites with Kirk Cousins facing Carson Wentz. I am a little disappointed that the model does not see how bad Kirk Cousins is when faced with real competition. I understand it. I get it. Um, three, personally, if I have to take this game you know, in a pick'em league or something like that, I'm, I'm very excited to take the Eagles because Carson Wentz is a dramatically better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. It's not even close. Carson Wentz, the 90.4 grade, Kirk Cousins, 61.7. Carson Wentz, just right below Russell Wilson, whereas Kirk Cousins has been... An, an absolute disaster. Um, and the the Eagles' pass rush is just going to eat that offensive line alive. And we know how Kirk Cousins performs when faced with any kind of heat. Your thoughts? No, I agree with it. I think, um, uh, you know, <laughs> it's really hard to back Kirk Cousins against a good team. The, the only issue I see is I think usually the games that end up a disaster or have been on the road for him. Yeah. And, at, but you know, you were on Matthew's show yesterday. I've talked to him earlier. He's like, I I'm really torn about this game too. And I said, Oh, this reminds me a lot of the saints game last year where the, you know, it's basically anywhere from plus three to minus three. And the Vikings should win this game, but just something happened. Like in that game, the Vikings dominated from a yards per play perspective. They dominated like all over the place and had two turnovers that completely killed them. Um, I think the Eagles are are a flawed team. Their coverage is not particularly good. Um, but I also I think like Fletcher Cox might get you know Fletcher Cox might get like hauled off by the police for killing Garrett Bradbury uh, on on uh, on Sunday. So like, you know, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and the Vikings defense like is good players, but Xavier Rhodes is washed. And I like and and if Deshaun Jackson were playing, I think that'd be even worth a half a point right now, but like I I don't think I think the Vikings defense is good against bad teams and might get exposed against a team like the Eagles. Here's the issue. Uh the Vikings are going to lean into the wrong thing in this game you could just feel it they're worried about the pass rush I think the best way to neutralize the pass rush is to run the ball they're the only team in the nfl who on first and second down with six or more to go are running over 50 percent of the time they have the biggest gap in terms of difference between percentage of their overall offensive plays that are play action compared to how many of their offensive plays are run plays 
no, there's no balance whatsoever in this attempt to find balance. It's just ridiculous. And so to me, that is exactly what the Eagles want. They want them to run the ball on early downs. They want Kirk Cousins in third down. And then they want to give Carson Wentz the chance to go score some points. And if you do that, just to me, this is a game that I have a really hard time seeing the Vikings winning because it's the better quarterback by a mile and the better coach by, I think, a mile because of how much more important offense is than defense getting points. I want to buy that. Yeah. All right. Um, We move onward to um, what I think is the best game of the weekend. And I'm slightly biased because I'm a California guy. But the Niners and the Rams is very exciting. I was very disappointed that it wasn't uh, flex into Sunday night, but also at the same time kind of happy because working during a game you really want to watch is tough. Um, uh-huh. And I will get to kind of enjoy this game. The Rams are a three-point favorite. On Monday morning at 2 a.m., I was sitting here refreshing my phone violently. Well, not violently. Sort of half asleep, but continually refreshing my phone, waiting for a line to come up on this game. Yep. Um, sorry. Uh, and uh, And then I did the same thing on Tuesday morning. Because I'd just seen the Niners have this massively overblown win against a terrible Browns team. And it is Rams minus three. Um, This has come down from four all the way to three. Three is juiced towards Rams, but still getting some value if you would have, if you waited on the Rams earlier in the week. Let me ask you this. Because I think we're going to talk about all the things that the Niners have done that we probably shouldn't put stock in. What have the Niners done that you do want to put stock in going forward? Uh, well, I think that they've improved defensively. Um, but I only, but I think I think the Niners have built a great team to beat bad teams. That's what I put their stock that's what I put stock in. They've like they've that's done a great way to characterize they've it. they've they run the football extremely well. And it doesn't matter who the running back is, which I actually think is important. You don't want to have a, a running game that needs a certain running back uh, because, A, that doesn't exist. And, B, it's a stupid way to go about the, the, your, your games. But they, they built a run game where it, another team just can't like come back on them. Their defensive front is stout. So if a passing game sucks, it probably sucks because the quarterback's inaccurate or the receivers aren't good. So a pass rush enhances a defense's edge over a team like that. And I think their quarterback does just does, does just enough to win. Just does that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, okay. And so, and they don't need a number one wide receiver because they have Kyle Juszczyk, as Booger so eloquently put it. <laughs> I, I'm curious. So that game was on Monday night. Obviously, Booger was at peak Boogerness. What was your favorite thing that Booger said in that game? Uh, that Joey Bosa won't wow you with athleticism. Was he talking about Joey or Nick? Which, oh, sorry, Nick. The yeah, what? Not very athletic. You know <laughs> what? Are you watching the same game we C's are? C's player. C's white skin. Not very not athletic. athletic. Not Second athletic. overall pick in the draft. Reminds me of Larry Bird. Yeah. Um, my favorite was... Jordy Nelson. I really liked the, at some point, you have to possess the ball to score points, yeah. which actually isn't true, yeah. but it's funny that he just realized this on a fourth down like when the team is getting blown out. Uh, but I think my favorite was on a second and 10 at the 10. So a second and oh, goal yeah, I the remember 10. This. He goes, and this is 
this is the optimal time to run the football, which is actually the exact the opposite. opposite. And it got me thinking. I was actually talking to Sam Monson about this. If you called a game but said all of the things like the opposite, like Bizarro Cherry, basically, in that Seinfeld episode, you're like the exact opposite. Um, would you sound like Booger? Uh, that's a good question. I would say you'd be close. Here's the here's the other thing. Okay. How much of what Booger McFarland says on the ESPN broadcast is wrong? What percentage? Like 95, 99%. Okay, because I would say it's probably more like 50, but even then, it drives me insane. Well, are you including, like, if he says the name of a player correctly? No, I'm saying, like, this player's good or bad. Like, I think he's, like, I think most football people are pretty okay. good at being, like, look. Nick- I'm saying non-obvious things. Oh, well, Booger, I mean, it's 100%. Yeah. <laughs> anything that's a, a Any- 50-50 call, if you just fade what he says, it's Anything pretty- that, like, the random person watching football for the first time couldn't get. Yeah. Uh, but but how much of so if Booger said everything incorrectly, would you still listen in? Because I currently I listen. currently listen <laughs> I, right, and like I just don't know like what's the um, what's the what's the uh, you know basically the um, the Tipping breaking point. point yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I think I would listen pretty much regardless because I just I love it so much. Yeah. Well, let's get back to let's get back to the game because I think three is far too short. The Niners have not played a single NFL team yet. They have faced the Bengals, who are absolutely awful. They faced the Bucks before the Bucks even knew how to get into their own stadium, right? They have a- absolutely destroyed a Cleveland team that was just set up for failure because they had to travel. The Niners had 15 days of rest. The Browns had, are traveling after this huge division um, for sure. win. So to me... The, the Niners are a team that has done exactly what you've said, which is they have beaten up on bad teams so far. Which is a skill because Tampa Bay currently is not constructed to oh, be sure. bad teams. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just yeah. saying the Rams are not a bad team. No. Jared Goff has a higher grade than Jimmy G from a clean pocket. And to me, this game is now about the quarterback because both teams are good. And so you have to win with your quarterback. And the narrative here in the market is that the Rams are screwed because their O-line is bad and the Niners... D-line is good. And I want to point out something real real quick. The Niners are missing both of their starting tackles and have, have yet to need Jimmy G to do anything in a game. He's going to be on the road um, against a Rams team that is by far the best team they've played so far. And the Rams now are in the better spot. They have all this rest. Yeah, the Niners sure. are on a short week after playing in this kind of emotional game. Yep. Tra- have to travel to L.A. The Niners won their game decidedly. The Rams should have won from a process standpoint and lost. So at three, to me, this yeah, is. I think to the be- Rams are a great pick here. The, the other thing that's important, and this factored into the Seattle handicap too, is, and, and again, I don't know how much this matters, right? Because we don't put in motivation or whatever into our model. Oh, oh really? Yeah. If the Rams lose this football game, it's over for them to win the division. Yeah. Because you're two and a half games behind the Niners. You're anywhere from. Oh, they're going to be motivated. Yeah. And you have the tiebreaker loss with both of those teams. Like, this is, this is a kitchen. This is a Freddy kitchen sink game. Uh, for, <laughs> can you imagine the I grease ju- and the. I judge and people. The, the lard that's in that. This kitchen. will shock you. 
and you've been in my apartment a couple of times, but you can just tell right off the bat that I judge people when I walk into by their the place cleanliness of their by house. the cleanliness of things like their kitchen sink. Yeah. And I can't imagine oh. how gross that is. Just okay. like leftover chicken nugget. Um, the, the last part about this game that I think is important. Clay Matthews is out with a jaw injury. There's a decent amount of players listed as questionable for the Rams. Yeah. They'll probably play. But the 49ers are without both of their starting tackles. Their fullback, who shouldn't be as important as he is, but they're going to put some guy named Dwelly at fullback, who, wear, who wears 82. Fullbacks don't matter. The Niners use a fullback better oh, than anyone yeah. else in the NFL. And then Akella Witherspoon, who is their nickel, yep. is out. And... I can't like the best player for the Rams so far this year, and it's not even close. It's been Cooper Cup. So like I just think from a matchup perspective, it's it's this is a this is as good as you're going to get for the Rams here. And I don't know why this number has been bet down to three, but let's go. I have two. I have two things. The first is you know Freddie Freddie's kitchen. The disposal doesn't work. <laughs> you know, but you only find you out. You know the dudes put a fork in the garbage disposal. There's like <laughs> There's eight like chicken a- bones just wedged in there. Uh, the second thing is this is another opportunity to basically bet on Sean McVay against Freddie Kitchens, right? Because yeah. the Niners have all this juice coming off yeah, of yeah, yeah. Indirectly, right? Like a derivative of Freddie Kitchens, yep. which right. is all the, the only type of Freddie Kitchens you need. <laughs> okay, the last game, Monday Night Football. For once, we are going to get a fun, compelling well, Monday Night hope. Football game. And Detroit goes to Green Bay. If you listen to our Monday show, and again, we've got, we thank all of you for listening to it. It's I think it's great stuff. We've we've certainly evolved it to a point where I, I'm pretty happy with what we have. We all saw this number at six and said this is not going to be available, and it has moved down a full two points down to Green Bay minus four. So you're, if you like the Lions, of which we do, you're not getting the best of it, but you are still getting some value on Detroit here. I was disappointed because I had placed a wager or two on the over in the Sunday night game. Obviously, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> no. But I went to bed with a huge smile on my face because I had just had a successful call with my friends at Rocket Mortgage, and uh, the Lions plus six was available. Um, and... <sighs> I, I will say this about the Monday podcast. We're tired as hell. So I don't think – we try. We have, have tried to make that better. So I apologize if it doesn't come off as good as it could be because yeah. we're tired. But the reason we do it is exactly because of games like this. Yeah. Because you will get some opportunities here and there to find a line. Now, the lines may not cover six. But you got two points of closing line value, which is awesome. Right, So you get six. It's now four. Most people have to get four. You have six. That is a huge advantage for you. And we want to make sure that you, the people, have that opportunity. Yeah. But it's four now. The Detroit – so you talk about me being a, a, a football historian. The Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers are one of the more, more compelling – like I wouldn't even call it rivalries yeah. in the history of the NFL. These two teams once played five times in a calendar year. Wow. Nine, the 93 season at 18 weeks, they had two bye weeks. So yeah. week 17, week 18 was in January, and then they faced each other in the playoffs that year. And then in 94, they faced each other in the playoffs, but that season only had 17 weeks. So they played each other twice in December. Wow. So they played five times in one year. The Lions went from 1992 to 2014 without winning one time in Green Bay. Hate to see it. And yet, in this series, the Packers have not won a game 
since week 17 of 2016, and that was a win to win the NFC North. The Lions have not only won their last two efforts in Lambeau, both games the Packers are playing a backup quarterback, but they've won the last four meetings between these two teams. And that was when the Lions weren't good. The Lions are now good. They have a better passing offense than Green Bay. They have a a we were looking at some of the scheme clustering. I don't think we'll ever we'll release that or anything, but we were looking at the Lions are playing a Tampa Bay like offense in terms of the way that they are constructing their route trees and everything. But Stafford's a much better quarterback than Jameis, right? So they're getting tons of efficiency there. They really should be 4-0. They tied, they tied after losing a lead uh, to Arizona. They lost after losing a lead to Kansas City. Their defense has a ton of good players, and they're getting healthy. Um, whereas Green Bay, I think like they're very good on scripted plays. Devontae Adams with a toe injury is questionable. They got pretty lucky to come out of Dallas, I think, with a win after all, everything was said and done with turnovers and stuff. They're, they, they're probably going to learn the lo- wrong lessons, as in let's give the ball to Aaron Jones a lot. I just I really like Detroit in this spot, and, and I'm excited for this game because I, we like Detroit, right? We think Detroit's undervalued right now, and this would be a perfect way to test that theory. The Matt Stafford revival is absolutely insane. So one of the most important things about throwing the ball is that you throw it at or past the sticks. Right, that like that generates value because you don't want to rely on someone breaking a tackle or getting yards after catch in order to pick up first downs. It's just not efficient. And in every season of Matt Stafford's career, his average throw has been behind the line to gain. Yep. This year, it is three yards past. I mean, on average, it's like a crazy turnaround. Yes. By far, the highest in the NFL. Um, he is making the highest rate of positively graded throws. Now, interestingly also the highest rate of negatively graded throws. But he's not Tom Brady. He's not Pat Mahomes. If you're going to maximize value on a guy that's probably average in terms of his ability, this is how yeah. you do it. And that they have the receivers to get those opportunities. We talk about this all the time. Negatively graded throw rate is very stable because it says, hey, can the quarterback like eliminate making mistakes? Positively graded throws happen because you have guys that are giving you an opportunity yeah. to make those throws. And the Lions have that. They have the fourth best EPA expected points added per pass play. Only the uh, the Chiefs, the fraudulent Cowboys, and the fraudulent Niners are ahead of them in that regard. Um, the possibly fraudulent Niners. Possibly. I'm just trying to make sure I don't jinx myself and, and waste a ticket to Miami. Um, and I don't think it is ridiculous to say that the Rodgers hype is far higher than it should be because they beat the Cowboys yes. and the Lions had the week off. And I am not totally sure that this isn't a case of, if not the better quarterback, the better passing offense getting more than a field goal. The the, the idea that the, the Detroit Lions are a better passing offense is backed by every single fact in the world. We mm-hmm. we post this like how teams do in a scripted, in scripted plays. The Packers are doing great on those. And then as the... As the game progresses, they do subsequently worse. Well, it's pretty easy to game plan against somebody else's, you know, like yep. that, that should regress. And, you know, their first 15 plays of a game should regress to the rest of their game, right? So if we're looking at ways things are trending, the Packers are trending probably in the wrong direction. <laughs> and then you look at personnel. They're also at the top of the market. Yes. You also look at personnel. The Lions have a very good offensive line. 
you know, Decker, Glasgow, Wagner, Ragnow, like they've invested a lot in there. And then their receivers, I don't think it's an even close that they have a better receiving core. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladier, down the field players who are very good. Yep. TJ Hawkinson had to sit out the second half of the Kansas City game. He's back at practice. They had the whole bye week, right? So you're Amendola. looking at yeah, Amendola, who's I think a little questionable, but ultimately yeah, he, I think he's going to pull. Oh, and then the other not. thing that's not trivial as well is Detroit. They they talked all off season about wanting to establish the run, but in reality, their run pass splits have been pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. Green Bay is doing nothing but playing dime and inviting teams to run the ball. The the, the Detroit Lions are not going to dump points in those situations. Yep. So Darius I just slay back of practice. Darius slay right like and then I think you know as good as Green Bay's defense has been, you look at Detroit's defense. Coleman is one of the best free agent signings this offseason. Uh, Trey Flowers is awesome. Aquora has been good, and then again you get Rashad Melvin, who after a down year in Oakland's had a good season so far. Patriots West ish. Darius Slay, right, and then of course you have you have Patricia, who is one of the better defensive game planners in the NFL. They didn't have the horses to pull it off last yeah. year, but they do now. Again, I li- I really like Detroit in this spot. I'm really excited to watch this game and just to figure out uh, the Listen NFC North has game. been one of the best. Uh, yeah, right. Has been one of the best divisions in football so far. This is the premier matchup in the division, so I'm excited for it. Okay, we both just poured out our heart and soul. Our love and affection to the last two games that we have discussed. And so I think those are probably the front runners for the lock of the week. But we also have to throw in uh, Seahawks uh, minus two in Cleveland. And then was there one other? I think we kind of like the over tonight. But I let's, I, I let's do agree with you. I think that these last game. two games are really the ones we have to deliberate between. Um, Here, here's the tough thing. I, I like the underdog. I like the idea of the better quarterback passing game getting points. It is worrisome to me that you're like you're not getting as much value as you could here with it going from four to six. But so I'm trying to like dissuade my that's preying on the back of my mind. Yeah. I do really like the Lions, um, but at the same time, the Rams spot is one that. You're probably getting the best of the number with the Rams. You're probably getting the worst of the number with yes. Detroit. So that is that is where I'm having a hard time. Please help. The me. thing with Detroit, the thing with Detroit is people who are betting the Lions are they're betting them plus 6 because their models and our models, right? Give them a better than market's chance to not only cover this number but win the game outright. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so like the two points, we talked about two points of closing line value. They aren't, you're getting basically half of a key number at six and half of a key number at four. Five is not a key number. So we're a little overstating the value sure. here to some degree. But I don't know what the move towards San Francisco means here. And I kind of want to fade that the very same way that you do. We've taken the Rams in our articles I believe three times now. Mm-hmm. This would be the second time we took them minus three as a lock of the week. My vote goes to the Rams for a lot of the reasons we talked about in terms of injuries and, and matchups um, specifically. So my vote goes to the Rams just because the two tackles being out, the nickel corner being out, the fullback that the Niners love to use and mess with people's minds with being out. That that that's where my vote is. Plus McVeigh, ten days off. 
it, this is this is really hard for me because I am a Niners fan as much as I am not going to be like the I'm the last person that's going to get overly excited about the team. Yeah. And I am sort of being sarcastic about Miami, although can't wait to see Pitbull and um, the other people that might show up on stage. <sighs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I think I think we let uh, we let the Detroit plus six be a feather in the Monday morning yes. cap. Hopefully you guys will tune into that and take advantage of those. That can be our like Monday morning lock of the week, if you will. And also, if you hate those or not hate those, if you if you think there are things we can do to improve them, because we are trying to make it better and more effective. Please, please let us know in a nice way, because we're both very sensitive. Um, but I think I think Rams minus three is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. So, so lock it up. Lock it up. Get your uh, get your charity in mind. Uh, be ready to make some donations, hopefully. And uh, enjoy the game. It should be a great game. Monday night will be fun as well. Here's the good news. If you, you know, if the Rams minus three doesn't work out, I actually think there's a decent chance the Packers are maybe four and a half point favorites by the time Monday rolls around. Yep. And then you can grab that. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. All right. This was fun. Week, week uh, five was garbage like actual garbage, literally on fire. And I think week six has the opportunity to be a lot better. The Chiefs, the Texans, the Rams, the Niners, the Monday night game is good. Um, so a lot of things. Last week, we we blew our load early, right, with Seahawks and Rams and everything <laughs> sucked. So um, do we have a story from the Cincy Y this week? Uh, I don't know that we do. No, I think well, I mean like I don't think I've beaten you this week. So that's that's pretty but yeah, I am 8 and 0 on the basketball court. And that's after you you made the claim to someone in the office that it wasn't explicit, but you sort of insinuated that if you wanted to, you could take me down low and score, you know, kind of at will. And I took that to heart cuz that's absolute trash. And so I don't think I said that. No, it, it wasn't that explicit. You kind of hinted at well, you know, I don't, I don't go into the post, you know, because I don't want to injure George. Well, and, you had been injured, and I sure I was but sort that's of more ridiculous. showing. That is ridiculous. So my revenge has been has been strong. Well, and I don't even think, like, not to be a jerk, but I think it's built more. We've both played poorly this week. My jump shot needs some work, and I think you've been beatable this week. I just have not. I've just been so trashed. My grit and desire yeah. to overcome. So you've really hurt yourself because that comment probably cost you a couple of wins. I think so. Yeah, which, which is unfortunate. We'll, uh, we'll we'll have to scope out some better yeah. some stories. We did have a fun day yesterday when we played what five on five, and but no one cares about that. Yeah, the, it wasn't one on one. But I've actually got I've got one for you that has been confusing to me. Um, there was someone in the showers playing like really loud music and singing along, and I'm curious, like, what are you just totally tone deaf if you do that? Well, I think that person gives zero. F- do they? Or is it like a, I'm terrified of being in this public place and the, you're just acting out quiet? Yeah. And, and like, maybe there was somebody like reading scripture when I was in the sauna once. They were there yesterday. Yes. I forgot about this. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm walking in the showers yesterday and someone goes, I hear this from the sauna. It's like, and Abraham was and said I was to like, Isaac. And I was like, what is going on, man? So it's two guys just like 
waxing poetic about scripture. That's almost sauna. as bad as the time I flew from Minneapolis to Vancouver and the guy next to me was singing in Japanese the whole time and he smelled bad. Uh-oh. And I'm like Minnesota passive aggressive, so I didn't like you would Did have you just know it was Japanese. You would have just yeah. You would have just rose up and told him to like shut his mouth. But yes. me, I like You just listened? I stared him down. Like I don't know which would one has been rather? worse. Like I had a couple next to me on the airplane, like basically make out the whole time. Mm. And I, I'm just sort of like wondering like you what we, you what would you catalyst? do in those situations? What would I do in those well, situations? I, I, like, I text my wife, and I think the gal next to me saw my text to my wife. But I just text her. I'm like, yeah, the two people next to me just discovered fire. Ooh. <laughs> like, well, what I would do, so if two people next to me on a plane were making out, I would film it. Oh, sure. I think that would get the point across. <laughs> and then if some dude were sitting next to me saying, you're right, I would tell him to shut the F up immediately. But my question is, I think I'd rather have the guy sing in a language I didn't understand because if I had to listen to some guy singing terribly in something that I like actually understood, it'd probably just be yeah, worse. Yeah, that's true. So you, maybe you got the best of that situation. All right. That went from a very boring segment to a potentially just flames. more exciting one. Anyways, have a great week six. We'll be back with you very, very early on Monday morning. Hopefully there's another uh, goodie waiting for us. Peace out, guys. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.